Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Fall of uh, 1991, I began to stick my toe in the water with seminary. I was living in Greeley, Colorado at the time, which is about an hour northeast of Denver. The seminary, the old campus, was still in southwest Houston. I was going to take what they call a Monday block class. It would meet from 8.30 to 10.30. There'd be a break from 10.30 to 11.30, and then they'd finish the class from 11.30 to 1.30. Because of where I was living, I needed to get up at 5.30 to be on the road at 6 to beat traffic, get to the seminary at 7.30, wait for class. And so all that to say, I thought I might be getting up at 5.30. I'm going to be finishing class at 1.30. I mean, this is going to be... Tough to stay awake. And somebody said, no, 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 Andy, you really like this prof. He'll be really good. And I thought, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, the first day I went, I got 5.30, got on the road at 6, got to seminary at 7.30, class started at 8.30, had a little break, 8.30 to 10.30, break from 10.30 to 11.30. And remember, I'm in class, and we're just going, and, and all of a sudden he looks up and he says, well, I, I guess it's about time that, that we quit right now. And I thought, no. I want you to keep going. I was surprised. I was shocked how engaged I was. It's kind of like, and I, I purposed at that time, I'm going to take this prof every chance I get, and when I run out of electives, I'm going to audit his classes. He's that good. And that's exactly what I did when I went to the seminary full-time. But I was surprised that Monday at how alive I was. We you know, when you talk to people about meeting Jesus, it's a little bit like that class. It's, it's not what you think. It's not what you expect. It's, it's surprising. It's pleasantly surprising. And I want to talk about that surprise this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 21. And we're going to ask this question, what's so surprising about Jesus? What is so surprising about Jesus? Now as you're turning there, Cody mentioned in the North Point Community Highlights, that we're taking six weeks to look at our foundation, the gospel, the good news. We just think getting things, the fundamentals down, is critical. We're in the NFL playoff season. Way back in the day, the Green Bay Packers, do we have any Packers fans in here? The Green Bay Packers had a coach named Vince Lombardi. He's in the Hall of Fame now. It was reported that he started in 1961 after the Packers had lost an excruciating close championship game the year before. He started practice first day this way. He held up a ball and said, gentlemen, this is a football. And they spent the camp working on blocking and tackling. And the veteran players were kind of like, come on. But his thinking is, if I can block you off the ball and I can bring you down when you run, I, I'm, you know, I can run all my schemes, I can do all my things. We're going to get the fundamentals down and we're going to build from there. And they did that every year. Even though they returned most of their roster, they did it every year. We're going to hit the fundamentals. We're going to hit the fundamentals of our faith because we think it's critical, it's core to what we do and what we believe. So with that introduction, let me open our passage this way. John 3, verses 1 and 2, tells this. There was, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Pharisees 
were the leading religious party. They not only had spiritual authority, but they had civil authority. So he's a powerful figure. But Jesus has been on the rise. It is kind of like, what's the deal? This is drawing a crowd. And, and so there was tension. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. This man came to Jesus by night, verse 2, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with them. So Jesus, man, we know something's up with you. I mean, you are knocking it out of the park. You're changing water into wine, and you're healing the sick, and God is with you. And implied in that statement is, who are you exactly? That's what he wants to know. I mean, you're working some stuff, Jesus. What Exactly what is your relationship with God? And Jesus does not answer his inquiry. Instead, he tells Nicodemus what he needs to do in light of who he is. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a word play on again. It, it means again, but it also means from above. And I, I think Jesus chooses that word intentionally. You and I need to be born again from above. We need to have our, our heart reconstructed. We need to be renewed from the inside out. Now, this is not what was practiced in the day by the religious leaders. They had taken the Old Testament. They had added 640 precepts to it, and they said, you want to be right with God? Follow these rules. I mean, they were Pharisees. They were good at being good. And Jesus says, None of your rule following matters. Because you got issues on the inside. Well, uh, Nicodemus doesn't like that answer, so he lashes out. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? I mean, he's mocking the idea. Man, guy's pretty big. How's he going to climb back in there? Uh, Jesus simply restates the challenge. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, cleansed, and the spirit renewed, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For 2,000 years, God, before Jesus, God had gone into covenant with the nation of Israel. And he had given them a list of rules. He had given them the Ten Commandments, and, and, and they, they failed. And finally, when they were living in exile, there was a prophet named Ezekiel who said, there's a day coming where this is all going to change. God is going to pour out his spirit, and he's going to write his law on the letter of uh, on the, the, your heart, the walls of your heart. And, and this is the fulfillment of this. Jesus is, is the fulfillment of, of this prophecy. Um, Jesus anticipates the pushback, so he keeps going. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say you must be born again. Don't, don't be surprised. You need to be renewed. So we ask, what's so surprising about Jesus? It's, it's you know, when we come, we, we think of, he's going to give us the rules. Here's, here's what you've done, and here's what you haven't done, and, da, 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 and I've got this list. It's none of that. It's, it's, it's the same message for you and for me and for every person throughout eternity. You need to be born again. So the surprise is that Jesus calls for rebirth, reconstruction. Pick your word. He calls for a renewal that he brings on the inside. And he compares the work of the Spirit 
to that of the wind. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. We understand that in Nebraska. But do not know where it comes from and where it, go, where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. When you combine snow with wind, you can't miss the effect of the wind. I mean, the snow drifts everywhere, doesn't it? Can't see it, but you can see the effects of the wind. So it is with the Spirit. When the Spirit gets a hold of a man or a woman, and the change comes to the inside, you, you, can't, you can't miss it. Now, Nicodemus is dumbfounded. Remember, he's teaching the rules. You do all this stuff. And, and he says in verse 9, how can these things be? Well, Jesus is equally dumbfounded for another reason. Verse 10, he says, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? It's like, how? Man, you're the main teacher. How can you not get this? Uh, we spent last calendar year looking at the book of Genesis. And in that, we got to look at the patriarchs of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And let me summarize it. These men were a mess. They were not these great heroes. They, they were deceptive. They didn't trust God. I mean, you could go on and on. They were a work of the grace of God. And Jesus is saying, look at your history. You're a mess. Look at your history as a nation. You failed. And I've talked about for hundreds of years, there's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit where you're going to be renewed from the inside out. So what's so surprising about Jesus? He's calling for rebirth, not religion. See, religion, and there's all kinds of them, is humanity's attempt to work his or her way back to God. Look, I've done some bad things, so I'll do this. Jesus said, that doesn't work. You need to be reconstructed. You need to be renewed on the inside. And that's a hard message to hear. He says to Nicodemus in verse 11, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen and you not accept our testimony. Look, look, Nicodemus, you're coming to me because you've seen some amazing stuff. And, and you think, I mean, this guy's got some kind of connection to God, but you, but you won't listen to me. And then we're just talking earthly stuff. Look, I'm, I'm going to unload some heavenly truth on you. How are you going to accept that? Verse 12 and 13. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one is ascended to heaven. No one can go up there. But he, Jesus, who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. I, I come to bring you stuff, but, but you won't accept it. We push back on this message. Because it's not what either we want or expect to hear. So I went off to college as a very religious person. And on Saturday night, before classes started on Monday, I had what would be akin, if you guys have been to UNL, what is like Big Greg Welcome, and we had it Saturday night, and you have pizza coupons, and you sign up for the paper, and you sign up for cable. Now here's a little, little known fact when I went to college. When you signed up for cable, you were signing up for cable radio. Because cable TV hadn't come into play yet. But cable radio, we were in College Station. We didn't want those hokey College Station stations. So we got cable radio so we could listen to the stations out of Dallas and Houston. A little factoid for you younger people. They used to have cable radio. And they had pizza coupons. And as a college student, you were trying to get as many pizza coupons as you can. And you're trying to grab all this stuff. And somebody goes, hey, you want to fill out a religious interest survey? Well, sure. And I filled that out. I gave them their pencil back. I didn't think about it. And they showed up at my door on Tuesday and invited me to go to our Bible study. And I thought, yeah, I wasn't a bad kid, but I thought, yeah, I'll probably do some stuff. It'd probably be good for me. And man, did they confront me with the gospel. 
You need to be born again. You can't make it on your own. The verse that tripped me up was Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this phrase got me, not as a result of works. And you can't do enough stuff. And I spent six months wrestling with that, and two guys came to faith, and they were getting baptized, and I told the guy who was leading Sunday, I want to get baptized. He said, Andy, we need to talk again. And he laid the gospel, the good news, that you, Jesus died because you were a mess. You were in rebellion to God, and he will reconstruct your heart. You can't work it on you. you. You've got to believe in him and let him do his work from the inside out. And I thought on that February day in 1979, I've been hearing this for six months. Look, I either got to believe it, I got to quit going. I mean, it, this is ridiculous. I know what the message is. What's my point? It was hard. It's unsettling. Because it goes against everything I know. Everything I know. You work for what you get. And now you get God's acceptance freely. Yeah. And he does what you can't do for yourself. Well, most of you know when I graduated, I worked for a campus ministry called Crew. It was back then known as Campus Crusade. And I had a chance to talk to hundreds, if not thousands of students. And they would push back against the gospel. And when they would do that, I would give them, I said, let me give you very two hypothetical questions. I have video of Jesus coming from the tomb, and I have a notarized statement from God saying that uh, Jesus is the Son of God and the Bible is the Word of God. Given that, will you submit yourself to Jesus as he reveals himself to the Lord? Hypothetical. And you know what the answer is every time? You know what the answer they gave me every time was? No, it was no. Then you don't have an intellectual problem. You have a volitional problem. You're not going to accept that. And, and that's what we've got going on here. Nicodemus is pushing back. Now, you need to know if you follow the gospel of John through, uh, Nicodemus was in process, and we have real reason to believe he came to follow Jesus by the time Jesus was crucified. But not now. He's pushing back. He's got too much to lose. Well, Jesus reaches into Nicodemus' background, the history of the Jews, and, and he uses an example there to, to try and, and show him what, what he's calling for. Verses 14 and 15 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Well, back in the day, Moses had brought the people out of Egypt, and they were going to the promised land, and they were grumbling, grumbling, and complaining, and so uh, God put a plague on them, they were bitten by snakes, and they were dying, and, and they cried out to God, and God said to Moses, tell you what, put a, a bronze serpent on a stick, and, and hold it up, and if the people will look at that, they'll be healed. Do you know what most of the people did, said? <laughs> no, too simple, not going to do it, you died. Why? What's the point of connection? You didn't take God at his word. You don't think God tells the truth. You died. Jesus is speaking for God, and he's saying, you must be born again. He's not calling for your religious acquiescence. He's calling for your and my rebirth. And that means he welcomes us in whatever condition we are. That's why sinners came to him. Jesus did not have a problem with sinners when he was on earth. The people he had a problem with were the religious leaders because he was upsetting their system. Nicodemus is part of that system, and he's pushing back. This ends the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. And now we get John, the writer of the gospel, splicing together some comments. And here's what he says in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, this system that was pushing back, these people that were pushing back, and the world has a system that intentionally excludes God. It says Jesus, or God loved it so much he sent his son to die. That's why we're doing what we're doing at Campbell Elementary. 
Jesus loved the world. We're following his lead. That's why we say we want to be Christ in our community. They have a, a, a literacy campaign. That's something we think we can get on board with. Boy, if, if kids' literacy fails, the, the, the consequences down the road in terms of who's in the um, criminal system, and that kind of, I mean, the, the connections there, it, we're all served. Uh, moreover, we're, we're people of the book. People need to be able to read. That's how God reveals himself. So this is a place we think we can say to Campbell Elementary, we're with you. So would you look to partner? Why ultimately we're following Jesus' example. God so loved the world, we want to love that world too. Yeah, but Andy, they're pushing back, they're against us. Yeah, yeah, Jesus understood that. He loved anyway. That's our model. That's what we're stepping into. Verse 17 gives again the reason why Jesus came. For God did not send into the world his, the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Didn't bring him judgment, he brought salvation. Why? Because of our condition, verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he was not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Because we stand judged, we stand condemned. God sends his son so it doesn't have to be that way. That's what we call the gospel good news. That's good news. You and I were condemned. God sent his son to live the life we were supposed to live, die on a cross according to the plan, rise from the dead, that if we believe in him, our sin, our rebellion against God is forgiven and we're restored. And we're going to unpack that, what that means in the next few weeks. Now, we would think everybody would jump on that, but they don't. I don't know if you've noticed that in your workplace, in your neighborhood. People aren't into that. Well, Andy, why is that? Well, John 3, 19 to 21, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness, evil, rejection of God, rather than light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. People want to stay in the darkness. Jesus said, if, if you'll come and bring the fact that you're a sinner, you're in rebellion to God, if you'll bring that to God, he'll restore your heart and he'll forgive your sin. When I was a sophomore in high school, this is when we were living up in Chicago, I had a friend whose brother was playing on a football scholarship at the University of Wisconsin, which means his parents were out of town almost every weekend because of the proximity of Michigan, Indiana, Ohio State. They, they could travel to all the games. So there was a sophomore-only party at this guy's house almost every Saturday. And this was a day when it was easy to get alcohol. They'd never carted anything. I cannot tell you the debauchery, the stuff that was going on at that party. People in morally compromised positions drinking. And I think, as a parent, I thought, if I knew that kind of party was going on, ain't no way my kids would be going to that. My parents just didn't know. I got to tell you, in that house, the lights were turned down low. But somebody in a drunken state thought it would be funny to turn the lights up. I saw fights break out over that because people were angry. You turn on the light, you expose me because you know what I just saw? I just saw you and that's going to be talked about Monday <laughs> at school. You, 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 your evil was exposed and you don't like it. You're ready to fight for the person who exposed you're evil. That, that's how people feel towards Jesus. You want to know why they killed him? That's why. He came offering healing, but you're going to be exposed. You're going to be exposed as someone who needs a Savior. But my only consolation is join the human race. We're all there. We need to be born again.
and this idea that we're experiencing life and we're pulling it off on our own, it's a mirage. It's just that. Perhaps a movie 30 or 40 years ago that, that caught this mirage was the, the movie The Matrix. Basically, the machines had taken over and they were just living off the humans and they, they were feeding this image in their mind and they were living this lie. They thought they were living life. And, and this guy named Neo begins to, to uncover it a little bit and he ne- meets Morpheus. And, and Morpheus is going to give him an option. Do you really want to see what's going on or do you just want to keep living the lie? And let me quote. Here's what he says. This is your last chance. After this, there's no turning back. You can take the blue pill. The story ends you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. Hey, if you're happy, live in the illusion, knock yourself out. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering you is the truth, nothing more. That's what Jesus is essentially saying. You think you're finding life in the creation, you're deceived. You're being played by the evil one, by Satan. I want to show you life the way you were designed. I want to show you how it is. But to do that, you're going to have to humble yourself. I'm not interested in your, I'm not interested in your rule falling. I'm not interested in how good you've been. I'm not interested in how much money you've given to the church. I'm not interested in how much you've served. I'm not interested in how many old ladies you've helped across the street. Primarily, I'm interested in your heart, my heart, being reconstructed. Submitting to me that I can do a work. See, Jesus is not calling for a religion. He's calling for rebirth. And that's, in my estimation, what makes him so surprising. What we're going to do now is celebrate that in the form of communion. So if you're a person leading, helping serve at a table, if you would come up, uh, let me explain what's happening. The, this is uh, symbolic. This is a ceremony in which we recall this Jesus, his body broken, his, his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sin. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to participate. Um, you don't have to be a member of the church. If you're not sure what that means, please feel free to watch. No reason to be embarrassed. Um, after I pray, we'll split and we'll, we'll hit these four tables. If you guys, these two sections here, the far sections there, uh, there'll be some gluten-free wafers if that is, fits your dietary needs. But as you think about coming to God, what's the basis of your coming to Him? You come to Him with rules, look what I've done, I've done some stuff bad, Jesus, I'll try and I'll make you trade, I'll do some things. Or do you come saying, you know what, I need your work, I need it. Salvation is an event and a process. I need your work in an ongoing way in my life. Let me pray, and we'll celebrate this Jesus together. Lord, I am grateful for Jesus, died on the cross, rose from the dead, that we could be people who are free, don't have to live in illusion. Uh, Sometimes we're afraid because we're thought you're going to drop our our rules failure on us, but that's not who you are. You're talking about freeing us to live the way you designed us to live, fullness of life. Jesus, we thank you. Amen.